from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. Three, two. This is Money Talk for the 15th of December, 2023. Well, there are just four games left in the season, and the Packers are still sniffing around the playoffs. This Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come to town, come to Lambeau, actually, and your Milwaukee Bucks have four home games this week. The Pistons, Rockets, Spurs, and Orlando, and just like Santa, they're all coming to town. Let's start with a Texas high school basketball player who beat his coach for, after being benched. He was benched for, wait for it, poor sportsmanship. Without a doubt, this next one is the weirdest story I've ever done. It comes from the science publication ARS Technical. Apparently, we share the planet with a species of worm that grows a second rear end. Oh, there's so much more. The butt develops an autonomous appendage equipped with its own antenna, eyes, and brain, and then the appendage will detach from the main body and swim away and merge with other disembodied rear ends. This is all the makings of a classic sci-fi B-movie. Look for it on Netflix. A pair of convicted Kohl's food store thieves argued in court that they should face lesser charges because the stuff they stole was on sale. <laughs> Where did your lawyer go to school? The dollar store? NASA celebrated the 25th anniversary of the space station and found a missing tomato. It's been on the loose in the space station for eight months. You think it would have floated by once in a while. It was described as being in an advanced state of decay. You think? <laughs> it turns out that weightlessness has no effect on rotting food. And finally, Rikers Island. That's a prison in the East River of New York. The prison has opened a special unit for suspected arsonists. The kicker is the unit has no fire suppression system. What could possibly go wrong? On the podcast today, we have Dave Sandstrom, Steve Giles, and wrapping up the week, here's Joel Treesang. Thank you, Max. Amusing as always. Uh, we, and an amusing week on Wall Street. We had uh, the NASDAQ uh, index uh, went up 410 points this week, uh, gaining 2.8% to close today, Friday, at 14814. The S&P 500 rose 115 points, or 2.5%, to 4719. The Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, rose 1060, 1,061 points, to, uh, that's 2.9%, to 37,309. It uh, broke a, a record high on Wednesday and broke it again on Thursday, and it was, uh, let's see, it was up today by 61 points. So um, that's three records for the Dow this week. The S&P is uh, within uh, two points of its peak all time in January of 2022. So um, the markets uh, had quite a rally uh, that happened this week. I think the Dow's, I mean, the, the S&P's been up for seven weeks in a row. Uh, so far this year, the NASDAQ is up a whopping 41.5%. The S&P is up almost 23%, and the Dow is up almost 13%. And that's even before dividends, total returns, of course, are going to be even higher for those. Dave, uh, why don't we start with you? Um, happy holidays from the Fed. 
Exactly. I guess if you want to say Merry Christmas, that's maybe how you should have opened the uh, the meeting. And maybe this is the what everybody hopes for is the Santa Claus rally. Uh, but interesting to see the markets, uh, how they digested his commentary this week. Right. Chairman Powell on, on Wednesday after the two-day FOMC, the uh, the Federal Open Market Committee said we're still not touching rates, which we they raised them 10 times in the last year and a half to a 22-year high, and they said uh, no mas. And I think it's, you know, what we're seeing this week was maybe the realization or the expectation that there's some cuts in the future. Right. You know, we, we've, this year has been all about the Fed not raising rates, you know, we never really got to that conversation about cutting. Um, some pundits would even suggest right now that maybe that's a little premature to even talk about cutting. But uh, I think what you saw, the market movement this week, both in bond yields and in, in the uh, stock markets, uh, was definitely a, a, an expectation that cuts are, are on the way. Well, and that's what nobody was expecting, Dave, at the beginning of the week. A lot of this market advance in November and the first half of December was – really predicated on the expectation that the Fed would take a pause. What surprised everybody Wednesday was when they said, oh, not only are we pausing, but we're going to give you some rate cuts next year. And I can't remember a time when the Fed has come out point blank to tell us exactly what they're going to do. Um, they've always been, I think, pretty open with their playbook in recent years. But to specifically say we're going to give you three rate cuts was the – um, uh, elixir that the markets used to finish what was uh, a very, very strong week. It doesn't seem to be an overreaction at all because, I mean, it, it, it's logical to me that if you're saying we're not going to raise rates anymore, that the next thing that we're going to talk about, because we haven't been doing anything with them for the wh a while, the next thing we're going to talk about is lowering them. Well, I think, Joel, the, there's two... Um, there's two outcomes when the Fed says we're not going to raise rates anymore. They just keep rates the same for longer or they start to lower them. They went the next step and said we are going to lower them. We've already seen some Fed officials today uh, backpedal a bit. They said, okay, we we did say we're going to lower them, but we didn't say when. Um, so that could mean September of next year. It could be March. But but I think the Fed recognized that maybe this genie is out of the bottle and uh, trying to stuff it back in is going to be hard. Are there any precautions uh, of investors watching a Santa Claus rally and, and thinking, you know, this means I should do something with my portfolio? Well, I, I guess I'd say watch out for the euphoria factor, right? As, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, when everybody gets on the same side of the boat, you know, bad things happen, right? It sinks. Uh, so I, I would be cautioning you to everybody to just say, oh, here we go. Fed's cutting. We're on our way. Uh, everybody dive in headfirst to, uh, to the stock market. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's the same story we preach all the time, Joel, and that's balance is, is, is king, right? Uh, you know, there's times we'll lean into equities or we'll lean into bonds. Um, but right now, you know, with such uncertainty, we're moving into an election year. There's a lot that can still happen. To suggest that, hey, we're in the clear, the soft landing is a guarantee and, and the Fed's cutting rates uh, at, at some point early next year, I think that's there's quite a bit of assumption there. So I would say proceed with caution. Dave, you, you were, we were talking about bonds uh, before the podcast. You just mentioned this. Um, but uh, the 10-year Treasury, that benchmark, uh, 
Treasury bond um, was uh, yielding around 5% just eight weeks ago. Um, it started this week at 4.25%. It ended today at 3.93%. Um, what, what is that telling you, and, and what should investors take from that? Well, a significant rally this week, right? And bonds, in some ways, I think Steve was kind of pointing out too before the show, maybe even more significant than than what we saw in the stock market, really, from a, a kind of an admission by investors that okay, I'm I'm coming back to the to the bond market with with a vengeance. Um, I, I think that ultimately, Joel, it, it it really points out the fact that that 60/40 portfolio theory, right? The the modern portfolio theory of a balanced well-allocated portfolio is is not dead. I mean, how many times did we see that article pop up in right. 2022 that, uh, oh, you know, forget that type of a, an allocation. Uh, it's back with a vengeance, and I, and I think that it, it's super critical um, realization right now that, hey, bonds are, are very important in your portfolio. And it's also a wonderful reminder, you two, as to why it's Darn near impossible to time the market. For all those investors who wanted to throw in the towel, capitulate back in October when the market was trading down, um, you know, it, for those patient investors that were able to sit on their hands, trust their portfolio, trust the asset allocation, trust uh, the process, they've been rewarded with a couple of really good months of recovery. And now we're going to finish the year with one of the strongest years we've seen in a long time on both stocks and bonds. And we had a couple of economic indicators this week that um, might sort of fortify what the Fed is seeing in that, I mean, they're, they're by keeping rates as high as they are, um, they're basically saying, you know, we're seeing a continued slowdown in the growth of the economy. And that's what they've been trying to do um, you know, by raising the rates to slow down the inflation that was at 40-year highs a year and a half ago. Um, we had uh, news this week on the Consumer Price Index, which is the the widest uh, measure of inflation, and that was 3.1% uh, year-to-year, which is close to what the, the Fed's favorite gauge was for October, around 3%. Now, that's still above where the Fed wants it long-term. They want it at 2%, but it's down from that uh, consumer price index was at 9% back in June of 2022. Um, so that's showing you know that, that growth is slowing, but we're also st still seeing growth. The retail sales were up again in November. Um, one thing that I picked out of that was that we're continuing to see increased sales at bars and restaurants. And usually if, if people aren't feeling good about spending money, they're not going to go out to a bar and a restaurant unless they have to, I guess. <laughs> they well, don't have any food at home. Well, they're drowning their sorrows in PBR. Well, that could be too. There's there's that counter effect. Yeah, yeah. Joel, what I think is interesting about uh, that inflation report is that the real stickler still is the, the housing and rent number right. associated with that. Everything else seems to have kind of fallen in line with, you know, more normal long-term inflation rates. But housing and rent is still that outlier. And I think largely because of the type of conundrum that the Fed is in right now with by raising rates and raising mortgage rates, they've really locked up the inventory. And we don't have enough houses coming on the market. So what's going to be interesting now that we've seen rates come down, uh, we've seen mortgage rates come down even a little bit. They're they're back to starting with a six again. Right, they're under seven percent um, for the first time since August. When's going to be the tipping point for 
all those people that want to sell their homes, they're looking for a bigger place, new place, they want to get to a different location, what's that rate going to be that's going to trigger those people to list their homes? And, and that's going to be, I think, the point in which we'll get some relief on, on housing prices is when we get that inventory right. number picked up. Now, this is all talking about a soft landing so that we're going to be maybe experiencing the, the Fed lowering inflation to a reasonable rate without us going into recession. Well, what does that mean to investors? Should they, is that something that they should be concerned about or that they should be happy for? Well, the yield curve right now does suggest that this economy is slowing. It's why shorter-term rates, Joel, are, are still yielding higher than those more intermediate and longer-term rates. Um, you know, the federal funds rate at five and a quarter to five and a half is certainly bigger than what you're getting on the 10-year, just under four. But that's an inverted yield curve. It right. basically tells us that um, uh, investors are not willing to tie up their cash for too long for fear that uh, they won't have some liquidity when, um, uh, you know, bad things start to happen. Sure. And, and to have that liquidity is important as we turn the corner into next year. Uh, the sooner that the Fed begins to lower rates, I think will tell us as investors what their reading of the tea leaves is. Uh, personally, I don't think that the Fed's going to do anything for the first half of the year. Um, I, you know, if you look at the Fed dot plot that just got released, uh, it's about, um, you know, what, what they don't tell us is when they're going to start to lower rates, just that they expect to be three changes down by the end of next year. But that still isn't going to catch up the short-term rates with where the 10-year Treasury is, right? That'll push the, the short-term rates to four and a half, but you still got a 10-year under four. That's still an inverted yield curve. So something has to give here, or this economy might very well be headed for some kind of uh, recession. You know, soft landing or not, a, a recession is still a recession. And what con concerns should investors have about getting into a recession? Well, I think unemployment goes up. Obviously, if if you lose your job, you're not going to have the ability to spend the way that you had in the past. You look at uh, you know credit card debt as a percentage of household income. That's been going up. Uh, U.S. consumers have this. Um, I don't know. Un uh, un un they have a, an insatiable desire to spend, and they're going to continue to spend. It's the holiday season, and if it means they have to swipe their plastic and use credit to do it, uh, by golly, they're going to do it. But at some point, uh, they got to pay those bills. And, and if uh, you start getting to a point where people are losing their jobs and unemployment goes up and uh, hiring slows, uh, you might get into a period where this consumer can't keep pace with the slowdown that's going to be happening. Sure. And that can affect earnings of, of the companies that they're Absolutely. invested in. Yeah. And, and Joel, that's where that balanced portfolio comes into play. And I, and I hate to beat the drum on that uh, throughout the uh, podcast here, but, uh, you know, you come into bad times uh, potentially, and that's when you really, really appreciate that fixed income portion of your portfolio. When stocks are suffering, it gives you the confidence to stay put gives you the ability to continue your income stream without really missing a beat or, or hurting yourself in the long run. So, uh, you know, even when things seem fantastic and wonderful and coming up roses, you know, making sure that you have a safe spot in that portfolio is critical. You know, from a timing standpoint, at the end of the year, I think it's important for investors to 
perhaps revisit their allocations, Dave. Um, you know, are, are you positioned appropriately as we turn the corner into next year? And especially after the kind of run-up we had in October, uh, pardon me, in uh, November and December, to, to circle the wagons and make sure that you are appropriately positioned for where we are as we head into 2024. Um, you know, the business cycle is uh, unique. The business cycle changes all the time. And based upon where we are with rates and earnings, you need to make sure that you don't just set it and forget it because that's not what it's about. Uh, call your advisor. Make sure that you have had a chance to, to revisit things like your allocation, your mix between stocks and bonds, your mix between domestic and international. It all um, – comes into play and they all uh, interplay with one another. Is that the kind of, sort of conversations you're having now? I know you're both very busy, or is it more just sort of wrapping up things that should be settled before the end of the year? Well, absolutely. I, I, Steve's hits it right on the head. I, I think it's a great time to look at, uh, you know, getting yourself set for next year and, and review those allocations. Uh, you know, the other big topic you, you handle this time of year too is the potential for some tax loss harvesting in portfolios. Uh, if you were active in 22, when obviously there was probably a lot more opportunity, uh, maybe you don't have anything compelling this year. Uh, but if you weren't aggressively harvesting those losses in 22, you probably still have some things you can clean up, especially in your bond portfolio. So worth a look. I mean, that's real money that uh, you can keep in your pocket come April 15th. And I think uh, clients appreciate that. And then I guess the last comment I would have is that conversations are, are just make sure that your required minimum distributions are taken care of. And if you do have a, any last minute uh, charities that you want to take care of, um, you're, you're running out of time. So I'd, I'd make those qualified charitable distributions pretty quickly. Great. Thank you both. I think you've imparted a lot of wisdom and um, uh, keep some in store for next time. And uh, we'll listen to the podcast again next week. Thanks for listening to the Money Talk Podcast. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalk at landis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com. <laughs>